Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Today it is Tuesday, November the 26th, 2019. Today is the day the Lord has made, uh, and we are rejoicing in it, even um, even if we are facing struggles and stresses in this life that we do not fully understand, and certainly um, that that test us, test our patience, test our relationships. You uh, you might have one of those experiences this week. I just I recognize that sometimes traveling with family, preparing to travel with family, being with family is sometimes stressful and difficult. And so um, I lift all of that up this morning on this Tasty Tuesday. Yeah, I'm not I'm not letting go of Tasty Tuesday. Um, I don't want any of us to miss the opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good and to be the kind of people who at table fellowship with others, that we break bread in such a way that Christ is made known. That's my heart this week as you and I sit down at table fellowship with all kinds of people in all kinds of spaces and places that Christ would be made known in the breaking of the bread. So that is, uh, that's my encouragement. This is a great week, uh, I think, to consider who is going to be spending Thanksgiving uh, by themselves and to figure out how to include them in our table fellowship. And maybe you're saying to yourself, I am that person. I am the person who does not have a plan to sit down at table fellowship with others on this Thanksgiving. Um, let me encourage you to be proactive, to reach out to your church and to say, um, I, I don't have a plan and I don't want to be alone. And uh, if your church is like mine, they are currently um, matching up families who have empty seats at the table with people who are looking for a place and a, a part of the family of faith with which to share the Thanksgiving meal. You can also volunteer on Thanksgiving. Uh, one of the great ways to to just get out of our own um, troubles is to go and serve those whose troubles are actually greater than our own. And so let me encourage you uh, to to serve this Thanksgiving if you are in a position to do so. And certainly if you have room at your table, um, Extend the invitation to a person who you know is otherwise going to spend this holiday alone. Spend it instead in community with others. The other thing I want to lift up is just the power of that empty chair. Um, holidays are a really hard time to face the empty chair at your table, and I know that. Um, I remember the first Thanksgiving um, after my dad died when I was 15, and that big chair was empty at the end of the table, and that is hard. I know that for um, for others, there's an empty chair this year because grandma or grandpa went to be with the Lord, or you've lost a child. Um, and the the empty chairs at our tables take us uh, to to times and places in our lives um, where we are reminded of the depth of our grief and the reality of our losses. And so next up, we're going to be talking with K.J. Ramsey about the realities of deep sadness and scriptures call not only to lament, but to lament in community. 
So are you in a season of lament in your own life or are you walking with someone who is in a season of lament? Who's walking with you in the valley of the shadow? Um, Why does community matter so much when we are deeply grieved? More on that next here on Mornings with Carmen. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. Joining me now, KJ Ramsey. You can find her at kjramsey.com. She is both a therapist and a writer. Uh, I am familiar with her uh, for her work in Christianity Today, but she also has a forthcoming book, um, This Too Shall Pass, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. KJ, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And it's This Too Shall Last. Oh, well... That's yep. because I can't read this early in the morning. No, well, it's, it's the, uh, the nice turn on the words on the phrase, which gets everyone. So this You're too not, not shall last. Well, and so that, um, that sounds right to me because grief doesn't pass. I mean, it doesn't like pass, pass. It, it passes in stages and waves, but um, it seems to have another stage and another wave that follows that. It, it does last. Is that... Um, is that what you're getting into, the lingering nature of uh, of grief and suffering? I am, yeah. So I I believe that there is suffering in our lives that sometimes will not end until Jesus returns. And there are parts of our stories that remain present and salient throughout our lifetimes. Um, and so I'm speaking to the way that suffering doesn't necessarily end, but that Jesus is still present and his kingdom is what lasts. So I love that. Um, and I think that when we, when we consider the griefs we have all experienced in the past, right, we all recognize that although, let's say there is an empty chair at our holiday table and that chair was occupied by someone last year, it could be a love that has left us. It could be a, a person who has, um, who has died physically, but they're still sitting in that chair in a lot of ways. And acknowledging that um, is probably healthy. Absolutely. Well, tell us why, because you're the person who knows, and I'm just, specu- <laughs> I'm just purely speculating. Yeah, well, I think in our culture, we are so uncomfortable with grief and weakness and with tears coming up when we're with one another or even alone. And yet people and pain are continuous parts of our experience. And Jesus is Lord of all of our experience. So to be able to make space for the pain in our life and for the losses that we carry with us is a way that we are whole and we invite Jesus to be in the whole of our lives. So I'd like to turn with you to this um, recent piece that you wrote for Christianity Today, and it's entitled Scripture and Neuroscience Agree. Uh, It helps to lament in community. I'd like to unpack some of those terms and words. Um, When we're talking about neuroscience, we're talking about the way my brain works. Well, yeah, we're talking about, so I draw a lot from interpersonal neurobiology. And so really your brain is um, embodied. So your brain is your your mind throughout your entire body. It's not just the um, mass on the top of your head. 
my and stomach, your brain, no, my, is, my gut knows, my gut knows too, is what yes, you're telling me. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that is part of it. And then our brains are also in, are relational. And so our minds are continuously being impacted by the people and the relational environment that we're in and surrounded by. So that's what I okay. mean by neuroscience. And so I, um, I, I appreciate that. And I loved, um, your, your references here to Philip Yancey. Um, we talked with him not that long ago about, um, uh, wonderfully made, uh, which is, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the fearfully and wonderfully, yeah, fearfully and wonderfully made the, the sort of reboot of, um, of the work that, uh, that he did, um, and I, I just appreciate the way that he weaves all of that together. And you're drawing on some of those same, not only ideas, but realities. And so talk with us then uh, about lament. And we know lament from Scripture. I don't know that we know lament in community in the way you describe it. Right. I think it is a little bit countercultural, the way that I'm describing it. I have definitely experienced it this way, but I think we often... Um, consider lament mostly a private affair of perhaps reading psalms of lament or just being sad before God in our private prayers. But in Scripture, really, all of our faith reality is in the context of community. And the way that I'm talking about lament in this article and in my book is that we need space to express the reality of suffering with one another, and that it's not just for the person who is sad, who is suffering, who is experiencing weakness or loss or depression, but that it's actually something the entire body needs to be whole together. And it's a way that that all of us can keep acknowledging the reality that we are not self-sufficient and that we need one another to be whole and to know the the sufficiency of Christ, really. So there's a paragraph in here that I think is um, particularly poignant and uh, and touches on a reality that many people are experiencing right now. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it. Again, I'm talking with K.J. Ramsey, and right now we're talking about a piece she has posted at ChristianityToday.com, uh, Scripture and Neuroscience Agree, It helps to lament in community. Um, Here's the paragraph. Last month, a reader on Instagram sent me a long message detailing how her family's pain felt unwelcome in her church. Her daughter uh, had just been hospitalized due to persistent, intense suicidal thoughts. And that Sunday, the sermon was about conquering anxiety with truth. While the pastor enthusiastically bubbled over, over the victory we can have in Christ, she deflated in the defeat of not hearing the complexity of her daughter's pain acknowledged. Um, and so I want to talk about that because there's so much in that paragraph about the experiences that so many people are having in the context of what should be the family of faith that walks with them through valleys of the shadow, um, not just of death, but of depression and despair and divorce and all kinds of other D words. Um, and so when we come back, let's talk about how the church can do better on this front. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm talking to KJ Ramsey. We'll be right back. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? KJ Ramsey is a writer. She is also uh, a therapist. You can find her at kjramsey.com. I think it's fair to say you're making the gospel visible and beautiful 
um, in ways that we really need help with uh, today mm-hmm. in in the life of the church. And so talk with us um, about how the church specifically, uh, the community of believers gathered together in one space and place, how the church can do better in this call to lament and community. Well, first, thank you. That's so kind. Um, the church can do better in creating space for suffering and community in our gathered worship, really first by acknowledging that the reality of suffering exists and that it, it has a place within the story of the people of God. So I, I think that church leaders in particular, pastors, worship leaders need to recognize that the story is not done yet and that it's actually through suffering and through embodied life that includes weakness and death that Jesus chose to show his love. So practically what that really can look like is providing space for psalms of lament in our worship. It can look like offering space for silence. There's so much of our experiences in life that there are just not words for, and we need room to learn how to tolerate the tension of the unspeakable things in our lives. So room for silence in community with one another shapes us to tolerate that tension in the rest of our lives. Um, we, we can sing so much of our, so many of our songs um, are focused on praise and it is right and good to praise the Lord, but there's also so much of our existence that is painful and we can sing that too and and learn that Christ is with us in that. And, and through song is a way that we can express that all of our life is under his lordship. Um, so some of our songs need to not be so upbeat, honestly. Um, and making room for honestly, like quiet spaces in the back of a church for people to pray with one another, to find some tissues if you need to, to make it more of a norm that tears are welcome in our midst. And um, I think the Lord's Supper is another way that we can, taking Lord's Supper regularly is another way that we can form ourselves to to acknowledge the reality of suffering, we're remembering the broken body and and spilt blood of Jesus every time we take the Lord's Supper. And it reminds us of our need for him, but also that brokenness is a part of our faith. So those are several ways. So we had a, a family in, in the congregation where I worship um, who were walking through a very painful experience of having a child diagnosed with um, what eventually... Um, was a form of cancer that took his life and he was he was very young and they sat i mean they never they never failed to be with us in community and the way they grieved in the front row because it was where they'd always sat and they didn't you know they didn't give up their seats they didn't move to the mm. back of the church they didn't withdraw from the church they grieved in public and i remember that being a season during which um you mentioned tissues and i'm i'm reminded um, just by your, I mean, did, you just pricked my heart there. Um, I'm, I'm reminded that during that season, we had a box of tissues at the end of every row. And we mm. don't anymore. And we should. We should. Yeah. That that family is still walking in that grief, no doubt about it. And we, as their community of faith, are walking uh, in that season of grief. And so are a lot of other families in our congregation. I'm I'm really mindful of your alerting us to the concern 
that we must have for those who have a family member who is struggling with mental illness um, or Mm -hmm. depression and how we really do as the church not we do not have really good ways of um, of talking about that, of inviting that in um, or of ministering in community uh, with those families. It's really hard. It is. And honestly, you know, it's beautiful that that family was able to grieve out loud. And I really do think that there are the majority of the people in our pews are actually grieving things silently and suffering in silence. I just in especially in the last 10 years of having uh, severe autoimmune disease, it's become really clear to me that there are a lot more people like me in the church than I thought. But most don't necessarily feel that they're their their pain is welcome or that it's okay to share about it. And we have to invite that sharing in order for people to learn that it is okay to grieve out loud. Mm. So um, grieve out loud is, uh, will be a great follow-up uh, to the book that you have now written, which we are now all <laughs> anticipating the release of. Um, I want to, um, before we let you go, and thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you will join us again, not only when the book comes out, but, you know, as we just need to have these kinds of conversations, um, just tell people that therapy is okay. I, I think that so many of us have benefited from therapy. We don't often talk about it with one another. We don't talk about the the goodness of it. You are a therapist. Invite people if they need to, if they're at a space or place in their life where they need to talk through some things. Therapy's okay for Christians. Absolutely. Yeah, therapy and being a faithful Christian are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I, I really do believe that because of the way self-sufficiency is the norm in our culture and sadly in our churches, we often need to experience something like therapy in order to learn how to trust so that we can really internalize the trust of God, the love of God, and that we trust Him. It's not through our cognitive assent to the fact that God loves us that we learn that we are loved. It's through learning that we can trust other people. And so therapy is a way that we really can learn to take the love of God into our whole being and then take that with us into the rest of our lives. And honestly, it's for everyone. You don't have to be on the brink of a crisis or in the middle of a crisis to go to therapy and explore pain in your life and receive the love of God in some of the hardest parts of your story. Okay, so if you're listening right now and you want more, kjramsey.com, kjramsey.com, you can find out more information uh, not only about KJ, you can find what she's writing and where she's speaking, um, and you can read a little bit more about, uh, about therapy and um, be encouraged. You can also obviously follow her on, uh, on the Twitters and the Instagram and Facebook and all those good things. Um, KJ, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and share with us. Um, this too shall last, finding grace when suffering lingers when it is available uh, in the spring. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. So you've heard of the double blessing of God, right? You may have wondered how to get it and how to give it. So up next, Mark Batterson, who is not only a New York Times bestselling author, he happens to be a pastor. Uh, he has written a new book, Double Blessing, How to Get It, How to Give It. He has also offered some really 
poignant reflections on Handel's Messiah. And so we're going to have both of those conversations up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Sometimes you hear a conversation, maybe the one we just had with K.J. Ramsey, and you say to yourself, um, I know somebody who would really benefit from that, or I'd love to have that conversation with the leadership of my church. We don't have tissues at the end of every row. We don't do a good job inviting people to publicly grieve. Um, I recognize that there are people hurting. And, and so I want to share that conversation that Carmen had with K.J. Ramsey um, with my pastor, the leadership team of my church. How do I do that? Well, later today, uh, it will be posted as a podcast. And it will be available in all of the podcast places. Uh, you can also simply come to MyFaithRadio.com, go to the Mornings with Carmen page, um, find the podcast. Actually, it'll be the most recent show because it'll be today, so it'll be right there. Um, but maybe there is another topic that you uh, you want to reach back and get. You can always find the conversations that we have had here um, in our podcast library. And so just want to invite you to not only listen Uh, and consume, but also then return and share that which you have found of benefit to you, that the benefit might be extended to others. So that is a way that you can share the blessings you have received here uh, with other people. So there you go. The podcast, always available at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. There's one Thanksgiving tradition I really love. It's when everyone at the table shares what they're thankful for. We've done this as a family, and I'm always amazed at how simple our gratitudes are. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. Some folks say they're grateful to God for a wonderful meal. And for another person, it's simply being alive. For someone else, it's their family and their friends. You know, being grateful is actually a state of mind and heart. As the Bible says, be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So it's not just when you have a lot or when you get what you want. God actually expects us to be grateful at all times for everything He has lovingly provided. You may have had a bad day when you just don't feel like giving thanks, but there really is always something to be grateful for. So thank God no matter what, every day of the year, including Thanksgiving. And if you'd like more inspiration to help you be grateful this holiday season, visit thrivent.com slash holidays. That beautiful music is so familiar to our hearts and minds and lives as a part of Handel's Messiah. And I'm now going to talk with Pastor Mark Batterson um, about Handel's Messiah and other experiences of what we're going to call double blessing. Mark, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much. Good to have a few minutes to chat. It's great to have you for a few minutes to chat. Um, want to uh, want to continue to celebrate the ways in which God is using you. Um, at the church in Washington, D.C., where you serve, and the way that that ministry is extended to so many other people through your blog and your podcast and um, and books. And so we want to get to a conversation today about your latest book, Double Blessing. But I want to start with, uh, I just want to start with this, because people can actually find this at relevantmagazine.com if they want to check it out. Um, tell us the story of George uh, Friedrich Handel. Yeah, you know, it's an amazing uh, story. Of course, we're all familiar with Handel's Messiah, and uh, he was actually past his composing prime. He was kind of in a in a little bit of a slump and uh, wrote what may be the most famous piece of music in Western history in 21 days. 
But uh, what I love about the story is that it's not just great music. Uh, it actually debuted as a benefit concert. And so Handel used the funds from that concert to free 142 people from debtor's prison and uh, in double blessing. I share a little bit of the backstory of how I think God blessed that piece of music in part because of the charitable intent that uh, Handel wasn't just trying to write great music. I think he used that music to be a tremendous blessing to others. In fact, uh, left to score that music in his will to Foundling Hospital. And so uh, it's music that uh, continued to bless people long after Handel was long gone. So I just I want to highlight uh, that again for people. I'm just going to read this particular uh, couple of sentences. It wasn't just a concert. It was a benefit concert. The inaugural performance raised the equivalent of $86,000 today. And that money was used to free 142 men from debtor's prison. That is what qualifies Messiah, Handel's Messiah, as a double blessing. The first blessing, the beautiful music that inspires the soul. The second blessing, setting 142 captives free. Um, take people into this, this way of understanding the double blessing, things that we experience as a blessing that then have a double blessing, a second blessing for others. Yeah, you know, I think this is as old as the Abrahamic covenant that we are blessed to bless. And so the first blessing is what we receive from God, and I think we turn it into a double blessing when we do what I would call flip the blessing and use those blessings to make a difference in other people's lives. And really, Carmen, I think it becomes a way of life. You inventory your blessings, and then you figure out how you can bless other people in a similar kind of way. And as we inventory our blessings, I'm going to point people also to your blog at markpatterson.com. I should have clicked. It is markpatterson.com. Mark Patterson, uh, markpatterson.com. And if people go there today, what they're going to see is the Count Your Blessings um, post for this week. And that's a little bit about this idea of inventorying our blessings, inventorying um, the blessings. And sometimes... Mark, you you identify this. Sometimes those blessings are not the way the world counts blessings. Yeah, you know, I think we have to be humble enough to admit that I'm not sure up front whether something's a blessing or a curse. I think sometimes what we think is a curse turns out to be a blessing in disguise. And what we perceive to be a blessing, if we don't steward it the right way, it can actually become a curse. But, you know, I, I think uh, at, at its core— uh, in in Orthodox Judaism, they would pronounce a hundred blessings a day. This was a a mindset. This was a way of life. Uh, in fact, the Talmud, uh, the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament, says that if a man receives a gift and doesn't thank God, it's as if he's stolen it from God. And so, I think anything less than gratitude is grand larceny, and we've got to be really careful to count those blessings. So when you um, sit down at Table Fellowship this Thanksgiving, um, I think one of the things I'm encouraging people to consider is, let's say there is a chair left empty um, that was occupied last year. I might not, at first thought, consider that a blessing. I might consider that a deep grief, um, a serious loss. And it is. But it's also an opportunity to extend 
what is now an empty chair to a person who is otherwise going to be alone um, this holiday. Talk talk with us about the power of community and the necessity of community um, during the holidays. Yeah, well, I I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that this can be one of the most joyous times of year and and one of the most painful. And so, um, you know, suffering is a reality of life. And if you lose a loved one, it it and I have, and uh, I'm sure just about everybody listening has gone through that experience. Um, the good news is, is that there is a God of all comfort who I think can fill those gaps. And, you know, you're going to miss that person this particular Thanksgiving. But uh, one, I would say, let, let's remember uh, the blessing. I think the more you love, the more you miss. And so there's a pain there. But then how can we uh, perhaps fill that chair, as you said, with someone that maybe is walking through a tough season or maybe doesn't have what we have, uh, how can we flip the blessing for that person and uh, invite them to the table, so to speak? And I, I think there's a way then for that Thanksgiving celebration to be even more meaningful because of it. Mark Batterson is the author of, I don't know, how many is it? Nearly 20 books. Um, Double Blessing is the latest one, How to Get It and How to Give It. Um, you're, you're certainly familiar, if you're listening, with um, the whole circle prayer concept and exercise and experience. You may not be familiar with Mark's um, website, which is markbatterson.com. And I want to highlight it for a couple of reasons. Um, he's got a podcast posted called The Art of Agreeing to Disagree, which is really relevant for this week as we um, as we consider getting together with people around a table with whom we may not have spent any time this year, but uh, who we're pretty sure we don't agree with on everything. Um, but then if you scroll down, one of the delight and surprises on the website, um, one of the things that's going to delight and surprise is a book called Big Dreams and Powerful Prayers. Um, and it is, I don't know, Mark, have you ever done, I mean, other than um, other than praying circles around your children, have you ever done something that's expressly for kids before? Um, you know, th- this is this is a, a little bit of new territory for me, uh, but I, I have to say that some of my earliest memories were my parents reading Bible stories to me as a child, and I think you know, God had a way of planting some seeds in my spirit. And so I really felt like um, it would be fun to create some more uh, books, illustrated books, Bible stories that that uh, would be kind of those bedtime storybooks. And so this one is, uh, I guess, sort of a first step into that arena and uh, so excited about it. I, I think it's going to be a one of those things that helps faith, the, the baton of faith, pass from generation to generation. Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. And I wanted to highlight it today because if people pre-order it, then one of the things that they get as a bonus download um, is the nativity story and an Advent family activity guide. And so this is the week that I need that, right? I mean, this is the week. If I'm going to use an Advent family activity guide, then this is the week that I need it. So uh, Big Dreams and Powerful Prayers, it is 30 illustrated Bible stories. It's also got a, a way to not only encourage but teach kids to pray, um, and that is an essential part of the Christian life. And if you if you pre-order it, 
then you get uh, a download of the Nativity Story uh, and the Advent Family Activity Guide. Hey, Mark Batterson and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We're going to till uh, more of the soil related to double blessing. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Mark Batterson, uh, and we are talking today uh, specifically about his new book, Double Blessing. And I love the way, Mark, that you talk about uh, flipping flipping the blessing, so blessing others in ways in which God has blessed us. It first makes me count my blessing. It makes me acknowledge a blessing when it happens, when someone serves me in a particular way, um, when I receive a gift, when I receive a compliment. It 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 keeps me mindful that I am a person who is blessed. And then I, I love that you then are reminding us that it's not just about being blessed. I am blessed in order that I might be a conduit of blessing to others. And so instead of just being blessed, I'm blessed to bless. Uh, give us, tell us another story. I mean, Handel's Messiah is a great example. Give us another um, example from the book of the double blessing. Yeah, you know, I think in my own personal life, I just try to be really good at keeping track of the way people have uh, blessed me. In fact, uh, we just flipped a blessing here this past week at our church. It was about seven years ago that uh, I'll give you the short story. Uh, Another church gave us a $100,000 gift that we were not expecting, and uh, it was on the very day that we had purchased the dilapidated apartment building in Ward 7 of Washington, D.C., and it is now our D.C. Dream Center, and that was the the very first gift. That church didn't even know it was the same day that we had purchased that apartment building, and I remember the Lord put in my spirit— Oh, someday would we be able to flip this blessing for someone else? Well, just a few months ago, one of our uh, pastors on staff just shared a vision to plant a church just north of us in Baltimore, and I I felt like the Lord said, this is it. And so I cast that vision to our church, and uh, uh, we are about to flip that blessing. In fact, we're going to do a double flip. We'll give about $200,000 to that church plant. And so really, Carmen, it's so fun because it becomes a, a way of life. And so we're trying to practice that as a church. But then I, I also want to be very careful because generosity is about time, talent, and treasure. It, it's not just about money. In fact, the hardest thing for me to be generous with, I think, is my time. And so, you know, whether it's a smile or a kind word, let's keep track of those things, and then let's flip even those little blessings uh, as God gives us opportunity. That is a good reminder um, that I am grateful for your being with us this morning. Um, I know that time is precious, and I know that we can only invest it in one way at Uh, at any given moment. And so thank you for the investment that you're making this morning in sharing uh, your experience and this sense of calling with those who are listening. We genuinely appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. An absolute joy. So here's one of the things, Mark, that uh, you had me thinking about. Um, Are you familiar with the, like, the television show Flip This House? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So you had me really thinking that this really flips the script for the church in a lot of ways. And we need this kind of stirring up in the life of, of congregations across the country right now. There are a lot of congregations 
Um, they they may have dreamed a dream once upon a time, but now they're mostly just seeing, um, you know, the bad fruit in the culture around them. And they're not necessarily viewing themselves as like culture gardeners who are out there um, having been blessed with the abundance of of grace received in Jesus Christ. And, you know, viewing themselves as the ones now who need to go out there and till the soil and plant the seeds and um, and do the hard labor of bringing forth a harvest of righteousness in the next generation. You are using um, a really simple idea that I think could help churches in lots of places where the ground is really fallow, like see that, you know what, there's specific ways we're blessed. If we would be creative and open, we might be able to flip those blessings into our community, and the community would actually begin to see the church differently. Yeah, it's so true. And so, you know, in Jeremiah 29, um, it, it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, for if it prospers, you will prosper as well. And so, Carmen, we're not just trying to build a church here in Washington, D.C. We're trying to bless a city. And so right now we're building out about 20,000 square feet of kids' ministry space, but it'll double as a child development center Monday to Friday, which is one of our mayor's top initiatives. It's a way that we can flip the blessing Monday to Friday and and really uh, impact our city. And so I, I think it's so important that uh, – that we take the right approach path here. We, we operate with this mindset that we criticize by creating. Let's not just throw stones at what's wrong. Uh, let's write better books. Let's produce better films. Let's draft better legislation. Let's start better businesses. You know, when Paul was at the Areopagus in Athens, he, he didn't just stand outside and boycott what was wrong. He went in and competed for the truth. And I, I think that's what God has called us to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so then we begin making a positive difference. And in fact, you could even call it leading with blessing. I mean, that is what Jesus taught. That is what Jesus modeled. You know, he said, when you enter a town, give it your blessing. And if it's deserving, it will rest on that town. And if it's not, it will return to you. You know, I think so often we try to assess uh, the worthiness of someone to receive our blessing before we give it. But really, that isn't what Jesus modeled. We've got to lead with blessing. And when we do that, I think we're going to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done. There's no way to know what God might do uh, with a blessing. And so, you know, I just think we, we're invited in not only this book, but, um, you know, we're just invited by the Spirit, right, to bless others, not only in the ways that we've been blessed, but in new and creative ways as well. The book is Double Blessing, How to Get It, How to Give It. The author is Mark Batterson. If you just go to markbatterson.com, you can not only find information about this book, you can find information about the new um, children's, I'm going to call it a Bible. It's got 30 stories in it, so is that okay? I'm going to call it a new children's Bible that's available. You can also find um, what Mark is writing. So that right now there's a post called Count Your Blessings. I highly recommend that. There's also a podcast, The Art of Agreeing to Disagree, a little bit of something for everyone. Um, Mark, thank you, as always, for your willingness to join us and share your time. Uh, again, we receive it as a gift. We'll extend it to others as a, a, as a double blessing, um, just an acknowledgement of what you've taught us this morning. So thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Blessings. Blessings. Have a great day. Uh, that's Mark Batterson. Uh, check him out. Mark Batterson. That's with a B dot com. We'll be right back.
So as you're counting your blessings this week, um, I am mindful of those spiritual blessings that are stored up for us in heaven. I am absolutely counting the, the blessings of being a person who knows the reality of who God is and is a recipient of the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. I count uh, the Holy Spirit as a blessing. I count the Word of God as a blessing. I count the fellowship of believers as a blessing. As you are counting your blessings um, this Thanksgiving week and in this season of Thanksgiving, how might you flip those blessings and multiply them to others? So what does it look like not only to be a person who is in the Word of God and in whom the Word of God is, um, is living and active, but what does it look like then to sow the Word of God into not only our conversations, uh, but the world in which we live. Like, what does that look like? Uh, you know, I'm a person who counts it a blessing to know the Prince of Peace and the peace which passes all understanding. What does it then look like to flip that blessing and sow peace in the world that God so loves, in a world that is broken and divisive and angry and bitter and often divided over many things? You know, as a person who is a beneficiary of the sweet fellowship of the body of Christ, of being a member of a, a great family and a great fellowship with with mothers and brothers who, as fellow believers, are seeking to honor God and, and walk out the will of God in the world. What does it then look like to flip that blessing and invite other people into the experience of the family of faith? I mean, what does that look like? So what are the blessings that you're counting? And then how might you flip those to bless others. That's the challenge of the double blessing, and it's the calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. we got another hour. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.